0: Actually, we're very fortunate today to have in the booth, Kyle and Wolf is not with us today. Gene Amatruda uh, is here with us. This is having somebody in our control room booth uh, who, as far as I can tell, Gene was actually here and they just built Connecticut Public Radio around Gene because he was already here. Uh, That's how uh, intrinsic and fundamental Gene is to the station. So it's very exciting to have him uh, running the board today on our show. Betsy Kaplan's uh, in uh, another booth right now. She's going to be handling phone calls because this is one of these shows where we don't book guests and we take your phone calls. And we have something very important to talk about today. Uh, And if nobody did call up, I could talk about it for a whole hour. But nobody wants that, including me. So I hope you do call up. I'll give you the number right now. Although I would ask you to kind of listen a little bit first, because this is a story that has been, for the most part, uncharacterized, not characterized by people listening to one another. Uh, so the number is 860-275-7266, 860-275-7266. You probably already know which story I'm going to bring up, but maybe you don't. And And I can almost guarantee that for most of you. There's a new development in this story that may alter your perceptions, should somewhat alter your perceptions of it. So I'm going to talk about, of course, the events that happened in front of the Lincoln Memorial last Friday, where, as we now know, although it took a while for this to unfold, there were three groups of people who were demonstrating, protesting, vocalizing, whatever we want to call it. There's a group of students from Covington High School in Kentucky uh, That's uh, they are uh uh, it's a Catholic high school. It was boys there. They were mainly there to in, in town in Washington, D.C., to oppose the right to abortion, uh, but they wound up in this particular location, while there was another group uh, called Black Hebrew Israelites who were also demonstrating there, uh, and finally, uh, there were um, some Native American activists there, and what we think now happened, and, and I guess I just want to keep couching it that way because one of the things that happens when people encounter video on social media is that they they say, well, I've seen it with my own eyes. Well, you really haven't seen it with your own eyes, have you? If you're looking at video that somebody shot, somebody might have edited. Um, and, and anyway, I mean, we know video, it's selective. You are You're not seeing with your own eyes. You're seeing what a lens saw and reported back to you. There's things on the periphery uh, of that frame that you don't see. So anyway, what what we think seems to happen is that, based on multiple different accounts, is that the, the black Hebrew Israelites were kind of taunting both groups. The, um, the guys from Covington High School and the Native Americans, uh, and, and that it's wound up being kind of a three-way thing with some other people who are observing, maybe getting involved in saying stuff. Uh, but at one point, and I, th- I, I think that this is correct, that to drown out the, the chants or whatever, or the taunts or whatever that were coming from the black Hebrew Israelites, the guys from Covington High School started singing they may have been singing one of their school songs, at which point one of the Native American activists, Nathan Phillips, uh, walked towards them. His his goal apparently was to go through them and then up the steps to the Lincoln Memorial. So as he walked into their midst and he was drumming and singing, um, a couple of things happened. The boys from Covington began kind of imitating him and doing sort of goofy, perhaps mocking, perhaps derisive Uh, versions of Native American chanting. Um, And he walked up to one boy in particular. uh, And rather than go around that boy, they just sort of stood face to face. And and Phillips has now said, Phillips, the Native American activist, has now said that he had decided that he wasn't going to go around anybody. He was going to go straight up those steps. And if anybody was in his way, so be it. So they just stood there. and, And the boy got this expression on his face, which some people see as a smirk, other people see it as a nervous smile. Um, And that became, in particular, the symbol of this whole moment. And and then what happened is what always happens on social media, which is people pick sides uh, and people... Many people who are upset with the direction of the country right now uh, saw this boy who, I should say, this boy, this boy or guy or adolescent, adolescent, let's say this adolescent, um, he was wearing a MAGA hat, as were some of his friends. Um, uh, they, many people looked at this and saw a guy who was smirking, who was being rude. Uh, to a Native American. I, I think it is fair to say that some of the, uh, the guys around him, anyway, were being kind of rude, and there was a, a, a definite mockery uh, in the singing that they were doing. Um, uh, they are teenagers. Um, I could imagine some of my high school classmates maybe doing something like this, too. Not necessarily meaning it, meaning to be completely dismissive of Native Americans and their claims, but anyway, I don't know, too much subjects. All right. So, um, So a lot of people saw that and they saw this as terrible. And, you know, what happens pretty quickly uh, on social media is that the knives come out and then the knives are not good enough and the guns come out. uh, I'm talking metaphorically and the guns are not good enough. And then the flamethrowers come out. And it's kind of been steady flamethrowers since then. Uh, and then another thing that happened over the weekend, particularly yesterday, was that more video came out. And some of the people who had particularly people left of center, but also people right of center, people who had deplored the behavior of the Covington uh, teenagers. um saw more context and and saw it as a more complicated situation and said publicly on social media or sometimes particularly a memorable essay in The Atlantic that they may have spoken too soon, um, that they may not have completely understood this situation, that this situation, like so many complicated situations, is subject to multiple interpretations. And then another wave of people who were still firm in their disgust Uh, with the Covington High School guys, um, came forward and said, no, no, what are you doing? Why are you backing away from this original position? Um, There's plenty of evidence there that these are disgusting people. Um, So anyway, I I hope so far (laughs) I have summarized this controversy well enough. Um, I should say that uh, at a certain point yesterday, I took a role in my small way on social media, I mean, I don't have a huge social media presence, but it's probably bigger than most peoples around here in Connecticut anyway. So, um, And what I said was, we're so quick on social media to form these hanging parties, to form these vigilante groups, um, to try and convict and punish uh, based on kind of incomplete evidence. Uh, And we need to slow down a little bit. Um, you know, it's very possible that these Covington guys are arrogant, privileged jerks who are absolutely <laughs> entitled to any kind of loathing that gets directed at them. But there are also b- multiple other explanations and maybe even some kind of spectrum of culpability among all of these students. Some of them, you know, may really be arrogant jerks, others may have kind of been confused about what to do and just follow the leader a little bit. It's all it's too complicated for the kind of rhetoric that winds up getting used on social media. And it goes beyond rhetoric. I mean, there have been death threats towards them. There have been some reporting of so-called doxing of their parents going after uh, financial records and stuff like that, personal records, making posting them in public places. Um, it, you know, it, it's uh, this facial recognition software was being used on on all of them. One of them, the guy who went face to face with the Native American, did hire a PR firm. Uh, it is significant to some people. It's the PR firm uh, that uh, in Kentucky that also represents has represented Mitch McConnell. Uh, to help put out his statement, he denied that he was being disrespectful to the Native American, that he was just smiling, staying very still, hoping the situation would resolve itself somehow. Um, anyway, I have to tell you one more thing, and this is the thing that maybe you don't know. I'll give out the number again. 860-275-7266. 860 860- 275-7266. So in the last hour or so, last couple hours maybe, CNN Business, so part of CNN, has uncovered the fact that the primary driver of the first short edited piece of video, the the, the reason it circulated as quickly as it did, is traceable to what appears to be a blind Twitter account Uh, A fake Twitter account that has very recently, I mean, within an hour or so, been suspended. And and it uh, it appears not to be what it appears. It it is not what it appears to be. It appeared to be the uh, the account of a teacher in California. It isn't. It isn't anything like that. Uh, It is an account with 40,000 followers that uh, tweets an average of 130 times a day. Uh, It was called 2020 Fight. It was set up in 2016. As I say, it appeared to be the tweets of a woman I'm now quoting from CNN's story uh, appeared to be the tweets of a woman named Talia living in California, teacher and advocate fighting for 2020. Since the beginning of the year, the account had tweeted on average one hundred and thirty times a day. I mean, I'm pretty active on Twitter. That's really a lot. You have to be kind of doing nothing else but tweeting to do that. Uh, Had more than 40,000 followers. Uh, And so the account posted a minute long video showing the now iconic confrontation Uh, with the caption, this MAGA loser gleefully bothering a Native American protester at the indigenous people's march. That version of the video was uh, viewed at least 2.5 million times, It was retweeted 14,400 times. Um, And the video doesn't show, you know, any of the context, obviously. A few experts have gotten involved, and I think it's sort of worth noticing this. Okay. So, Rob McDonough, this is all from CNN's reporting. Uh, Rob McDonough, assistant editor at Storyful, a service that vets content online, was monitoring Twitter activity on Saturday morning, and he said that the 2020 fight video was the main version of the, the main version of the incident being shared on social media. Um, McDonough said he found the account suspicious, the actual Twitter account, due to its high follower count highly polarized and yet inconsistent political messaging, the unusually high rate of tweets, and the use of someone else's image in the profile photo. Molly McHugh, an information warfare researcher who saw the tweet and shared it herself on Saturday, said she later realized that a network of anonymous accounts were working to amplify the video. Speaking about the nature of fake accounts on social media, McHugh told CNN Business, quote, this is the new landscape where bad actors monitor us and appropriate content that fits their needs. They know how to get it, where they need to go so it amplifies naturally, and at this point, we are all conditioned to react and engage or deny in specific ways, and we all did. Um, I'll stop there, but I think that's important information there. As I was watching this thing happen over the weekend, I thought, we're building a bonfire. They're building a bonfire on social media, or maybe two bonfires, the bonfire of the people who really want to see something bad happen to these Covington guys, and maybe another bonfire of people who are turning that into a grievance, uh, a grievance uh, of, of for conservatives who feel uh, assailed by the enemies of the current administration. Uh, and the bonfire is just getting bigger and adding, adding adding more fuel and more logs to it. The two bonfires are getting bigger and bigger. And what's not happening, nobody's really talking (laughs) in any kind of constructive or helpful way. There's no real sense of this being a teachable moment, that maybe this is a situation where people need to sit down and talk. And I'll just say this, and I hope you will think about it. There are people who are not from this country who want this to happen, they want to divide us against one another. They know how to push our buttons to do it. And, and these buttons have been oiled up and conditioned by constant pushing for, you know, the better part of a decade now on social media. So it's pretty easy to get everybody going with the visceral language and the taunting and the anger and the personal rage. Uh, and that is exactly what a certain group of people want. And we played right into their hands this time. Uh, so anyway, that's my initial soliloquy. 860 uh, 275 Let's go to the phones here. We will start with Molly in New Haven. Hi, Molly.
1: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, yeah, I guess so. I, I've been listening to what you're saying and I hear what you're saying, but I guess I just want to go upstream a little bit more, which is just the fact that a group of white adults took a group of white kids with MAGA hats on to an anti-choice rally. I mean, wearing a MAGA hat is a kind of violence unto itself. To be a white twerp wearing a MAGA hat is a violent act. And so I guess whatever happened afterwards, which I, I choose to, you know, I, I, I'm interpreting a certain way. I just think that the first thing, these, these kids got to sit with that. They were outed. You know, I mean, there's a lot of twerps walking around with these MAGA hats on and there are consequences to that. And um, no one wants to hold them accountable, right?
0: Well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with this argument, having been reading a lot of social media. So tell me, I mean, look, the president of the United States who won the popular vote in the last election is the guy who invented the MAGA hat and popularized the MAGA hat. So, the, you know, wearing a MAGA hat doesn't make you part of some fringe niche hate group, it makes you part of one of the two major political movements in America right now, as far as I can tell anyway. So I'm not quite sure that I, I I mean, is there going to be room in this country to be part of one of two different politically opposed factions? Uh, Or is there, are there, as you say, consequences for belonging to the wrong one of those two factions?
1: Yeah, I guess, I mean, I don't see that MAGA hat crew as uh occupying one of two right i think that uh i I mean i I don't know
0: Uh, you might be right about that but i think
1: that that's a particular group of a a, a particular stream of hatred um i mean i guess this is where like the antifa in me would come out Mm -hmm. where i just think people know what they're doing they're being provocative right i mean that, that that crew of kids they're they're trolls right uh and what we see with the pictures coming out of the basketball games, that's trolling and trolling is bullying. That's a, that's a kind of hatred and to wear a MAGA hat is to be a troll. I mean, our president's a troll uh, and he's full of hate and he's made it clear. And we make excuses, right? We like lean him into some sort of uh, discourse or party as if there's only one other one. But uh, yeah, I just don't, I just don't see it that way. No, I, I really not. think that if someone's wearing a MAGA hat, they are doing something explicit they are performing an act of violence, of emotional violence, of hatred. Um, and I just think there's got to be consequences for that. and so I think these kids being outed and being picked apart that's that's what they get for, and for going to an anti-choice rally with a well, bunch of other
0: Privileged twerp adults Okay, well, let me let me let me just pick a couple of those two things, a couple of those things apart. I mean, I think you make a very eloquent case for this, and you know, I mean, essentially, I'm on your side. I'm very uncomfortable with the Trump administration and with the movement that elected Donald Trump, but I do think that you know, the American experiment, I think, includes this idea that you could wear a hat that indicated your support for a candidate that other people maybe don't like, but you know, in this case, won the presidency, which is the kind of the big prize, and not have to wear consequences because you wore a hat that bothers other people. I mean, if America is this big enough place to contain a lot of different kinds of expression, it seems odd to say, well, you wore a hat, so you deserve what happens to you.
1: But it's what the hat says. And it's what we know it means, right? But and uh, we know how it's used.
0: But the entire history of freedom of expression in this country has involved hats and t-shirts and signs and slogans. And sometimes those slogans are, are even far more unappetizing than "Make America Great Again," right? I mean, we understand that it's actually constitutionally permissible to carry a sign much more, you know, distasteful. And, and I mean, the ACLU has spent its existence fighting for the rights of you know Nazis to march in Skokie yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. So, I mean, this idea that if you wear a hat that says make America great again, which indicates your pre- your support for the president of the United States, that's such a completely divergent and, and aberrant and weird position to take that you should suffer the consequences. I just want to say one other thing, too, because the other thing... Well, that I mean,
1: you- but if someone sees that right. and then says what I see there is hatred, what I see there is disrespect, what I see there is extreme white privilege uh, and, like... a a fight against other people's choices for, you know, for choice or whatever. I mean, that should be called out. Right. And when people look at that face and they call out hate, that's fair.
0: It's fine to point that out and say, that's what I see there. I see in that hat the things that you just described. But Mm -hmm. let's talk about this whole question of choice, too. So. I'm pro-choice. I just want to make that clear before we b- begin. But there are a lot of people who aren't. And those people, for the most part, and these guys who go to a Catholic high school, I think, are probably in that category in terms of what they've received in terms of instruction from their parents and their priests oh, and yeah, whoever. Pro-death penalty and anti-choice? Sure. Well, yeah, okay. But, but once again, in America, you have the right to be wrong. You have the right to be inconsistent. I mean, they, they would say to you, really? You're anti-death penalty, but you're pro-abortion, which they regard as the taking of a human life. I mean, once again, that's not an yeah. that's not a niche opinion, that's not a fringe opinion, and it's not the opinion necessarily of evil people. I know plenty of people who believe that abortion is the taking of a human life, and they right. they're not they're Me not too. evil people.
1: And they have the right to make people uncomfortable and to and to show their hatred, and then we therefore have the right to out them for it. Mm-hmm. So I see that people making excuses for them and making excuses for whatever adults were in charge of them and bringing them there. I think we need to call that out. That right. hatred is there, and whatever happened, however it happened, and also, twerpy dude just didn't step to the side when an older gentleman was was standing in front of him. Right? <laughs> I mean, just right, like right. Just show some respect, step to the side. We would do it on the sidewalk. You can do it when dude has a drum.
0: All right, and just keep in mind when you're saying twerpy dude and all this kind of stuff, the, there are people who want you to do that, and they oh, want yeah. you to do, they want you to do that for the purpose of uh, purpose of Weakening this particular society. Uh, I mean, this yeah, it's, this it's controversy, this con- controversy was was inflamed intentionally by people who don't have any of our best interests at heart. Uh, all right, Molly. Listen, great talking to you. Let me just take one more call here before we go to a break. I will try to get as many calls as possible. I mean, I kind of knew I'd have a full board here. Here's uh, Jerry in Simsbury. Hi, you're on the air. Hi,
2: Colin. Love your show. Thanks for taking my call. Um, <clears throat> I feel I need to sort of describe myself as a, as a liberal. Um, before I say what I'm going to say. Um, but I, I, I come at this from, my, from the view that um, beginning of about four or five years ago, a lot of people who hate our country have tried to create tribes, particularly two large tribes to drive us apart. And what you saw on that mall was essentially three little tribal groups, um, essentially um, being, in a sense, unaware of the rights of the other. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I could go into this item by item. I'm not trying to take the blame off any particular person. But what I'd like to say on the positive end of things is, look, nobody threw a stone. Mm -hmm. Nobody pulled out a stick and started beating somebody else. There's still some social fabric left. Isn't that good news?
0: I think that's a great point. I mean, it's even unclear to me anyway at this point, and I know there are various allegations shooting back and forth that anybody, you know, I mean, apparently there was some yelling going back and forth with the black Hebrew Israelites. But yeah, you know, I mean, what the Covington kids did, they seemed like they were acting like jerks, but they, as far as I can tell anyway, weren't angry. They were, you know, Being smiling and laughing and being idiots. Um, You know, I've
2: I've I've been through middle school and high school and had to encounter idiots like that. Mm -hmm. But but sort of we we have recognized as something after you get past the Victorian stuff, you know, the prudity and saying your behavior is wrong and so on. There comes this sort of social fabric where you say, you know, that somebody's somebody's vote sacred, Mm -hmm. Uh, and our problems resolved through debate rather than violence. And you look at this and you go, there's hope.
0: Right. I think there is hope. Um, uh, there is more hope evidenced in the physical presentation there uh, in front of the memorial than has been, I think, demonstrated out there in the digital interscape. Um, and I think I might have just made up a term there. I'll just say one more thing about what Jerry said. Then maybe we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, Jim, you can go next. And uh, we've got a lot of people on the board at the moment. All dudes. That's why I took Molly first. Um, 860-275-7266. Let me just say one more thing to kind of put a little capstone on what uh, what uh, Jerry just said. You know, remember the incident with Henry Louis Gates and the cop uh, and Obama? And eventually Obama said, let's all sit down and have beers. Um, That's the kind of thing (laughs) that's good. eh? A even if you believe that one of the participants was a total. I'm trying to think of a word I'm allowed to use on the air. Uh, you know, even if even if you have nothing but disparagement and contempt for the behavior of one of the participants, it's really good. Those three people sat down, have a beer. Um, and it's exactly what the people who are from the outside attempting to tear us apart and and get us to fail to see any common cause we might have. It's exactly what they don't want. That was their nightmare the day Obama and the two guys had the beer uh, uh, and, and some version of that in this would be great. I know people have been trying a little bit over the last 24 to 48 hours without much success, but some version of that would be so much better than the bonfires we're building on social media right now. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more of your calls.. All right, we are back. Uh, I have to make a correction because I did misspeak, and I would like to thank William for pointing this out on Twitter. Um, I actually got the thing reversed. Uh, Donald Trump did not win the popular vote. He won the Electoral College. Um, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Um, all right, so, and and actually, William also makes a great point. He says... Uh, with well, that being said, people do have the right to wear MAGA hats. At least no one got hurt in this uh, incident. I want to say, if you were alive in America from 68 to 72, if this had been a day somewhere in that period, you know, if, if Friday had been one of the days from 68 to 72, it would have been a really good day. People kind of were a little angry with each other. People were not entirely respectful to one another, but nobody got hurt, nobody got shot. You know, if you lived through these the, the truly violent period of American protest, I mean, really violent period of American protest, where there were bombings and there were shootings and there were shootings of civilians by, civilians by National Guardsmen. There, if you lived through all that kind of stuff, where people got hurt and beaten and tear gassed, you know, what happened on Friday uh, uh, in front of the Lincoln Memorial, well, it actually a pretty good day. Um, I, we'd all rather that we were completely respectful of one another, but that's probably not going to happen. Uh, anyway, uh, let's go to Anne on Long Island, and then we will go to John or Jim or somebody, whoever Betsy tells me to go to. All right. Hi, Ann, You're on the air.
3: Oh, yes. Uh, uh, good afternoon, Mr. McEnroe. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, You know, I I went to Catholic school, I'm I'm 67 years old, I went to Catholic school, and uh, we didn't go to political, we weren't involved in anything political. Uh, Why did the school, it's an all-boys school, uh, they have all these uh, young high school boys going to a, a March for Life rally, and they allowed them to wear MAGA hats. I mean, there's something wrong with that. I mean, they should, they should, uh, where Where with the women? Where it, it's, you know, why are they sending all boys uh, from a Catholic school to a March for Life rally? Right. I don't understand that. I, I think
0: that's a fair point. Uh, I don't know about the MAGA hat. Look, I mean, I think, you know, basically, as long, you're, you, as, long as you're within your school's dress code, you know, you can wear all kinds of things. You can wear a T-shirt that says "Fight the Power," maybe. Well, you know, you uh, could. I'm
3: sorry, Mr. McEnroe, but if I had put on a, a, a George Wallace uh, a button for president and I showed up at my school, I, <laughs> they wouldn't have permitted it.
0: Well, I, I didn't go to Catholic school, so I can't tell you. But you can certainly wear almost any kind of political button you want to a public school. Um, and and yeah. I would say, certainly. You know, once again, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. You couldn't get me to vote for Donald Trump for a million dollars. But, I mean, voting for Donald Trump was kind of a mainstream political activity. So, I don't know how you, you tell you people that they can't wear the hat. You see
3: guys at, at, at uh, Trump rallies in their MAGA hats, they're screaming oh, about Hillary. Lock her up! Yeah. The crooked Hillary! Right. I, I,
0: I, I was know. at those rallies. It's,
3: it's like uh, everything is being—it's uh, uh, okay to do that.
0: No, I mean, it's not OK with you and me, but sort of somewhere within what's understood to be permitted speech. You know, I don't think you can tell people you can't wear. a. I mean, look, if the Covington dress code says you, you can't wear the hat, then fine. But uh, or if they have a dress code that says you can't wear any political paraphernalia. I mean, private schools and Catholic schools, they can make whatever rules they want. And apparently they don't have a rule against wearing a MAGA hat. When you're not on campus, but maybe representing the school. I don't know. I, I, I can't get into the Covington dress code right now because I've never read it. All right. So 860-275-7266, 860-275-7266. I want to go to Jim because I think I said I was going to go to Jim. Jim in New London. Hi, you're on the air.
2: Hey, thanks for taking my call, Colin. Sure. Hey, I was calling because I wanted to um, bring out the parallels between uh, the NFL replays and watching that video. And it's not until you see things from many different angles that you really get the true picture. And I think a lot, now that they, the extended uh, video has come out, there's a lot more nuance that comes out. And a lot um, different sides are, are, are changing their minds because of the extended
0: I would go further, Jim, and say that, I mean, for example, and not to turn this into a sports talk show, but, I mean, looking at the video uh, of what appeared to be uh, helmet-to-helmet contact on a clear pass interference right at the end uh, of the Saints-Rams game that wasn't called, was reviewed from every possible angle, and, you know, I mean, 90% of the non-Rams fans who were watching that thought, oh, my God, the game should be over right now. And it wasn't. Right. So e- even when people have the opportunity to review something in slow motion from 18 different angles, they can't necessarily all agree on what it is that they're seeing and how it conforms. And And that's, I you know, in some ways a simpler thing to figure out than, you know, 30, 40, 50 people in a large space yelling back and forth and jostling around and moving around. It, it is it's difficult. It's more difficult than we think it is. So look at a viral video and really absolutely know for a fact what was happening. All right. Now I am going to Lawrence. By the way, I want to mention once again, we have all men on the board. Love to get some more women. Women's Voices on the air, 860-275-7266. Here is Lawrence in Meriden. How's it going? It's going okay.
4: Yeah? (laughs) Well, uh, I wanted to speak about this, you know, coming from a slightly more Conservative perspective. Mm -hmm. But so when I first saw this, a couple, you know, I I don't remember when it was was, the end of last week or something like that. Um, I saw it and I was like, oh, this kid does look like he has kind of a nasty smirk on his face. And maybe he did say something that was really, like, really nasty to people, um, you know, to that Native American guy. And then, you know, when I actually started looking at it, it turns out that not only did he not say anything nasty, he didn't say anything at all. Mm -hmm. And the the, uh, people that were really, Saying nasty stuff for those uh, black Hebrew protesters over there, Mm. you know, saying actual racist things, and then nobody actually pays attention to that. I think that's very bizarre. Right, all the focus is put on him. Yeah, and then there's these, I don't know, these kind of strange people that are just yelling bizarre, like almost conspiratorial, racist things, and nobody, nobody puts any, you know anything towards that. I think that's very bizarre.
0: Yeah, I think that's now emerging as part of the conversation, part of the the larger version of the story, that there were three groups there, each one, you know, engaging in activities that may have seemed provocative to the other two groups. So (sighs) deep cleansing breath. Uh, You know, I mean, once again, Um, Lawrence said an important thing which is that the kid didn't say anything I mean he had this smile on his face and I've noticed on the internet there are a lot of people who are apparently the commissioner of smiles who know exactly what kind of smile they're seeing and whether it's a smirk or an embarrassed smile or nobody knows you don't know what kind of smile that is be honest with about that. You have no idea. Uh, his face could have even been moving a little bit and just kind of caught in that position. But anyway, you, there's no such thing as the commissioner of smiles. Nobody has smile training that exceeds other people's ability to make decisions about smiles. But, you know, once again, I'll go back to what I said before. Yeah, some people yelled some stuff. Some There was singing and laughing and maybe some mocking and some unpleasant joking, and maybe not everybody was respectful to everybody else. In fact, I would go so far as to say just positively, everybody was not, dis- not respectful towards everybody else. But that's not that bad a day in a free society. <laughs> you know, if nobody throws a punch or gets, you know, hit or shoved or there's no tear gas and the riot squad doesn't come in, I mean— In in a way, you kind of want to have a society that can have a day like that and have the society still be okay and have everybody still basically be okay. And the reason that that's not the case here, even though, as I say, from 68 to 72, much worse stuff was happening all the time, the reason. that that's not the case here is because of social media because social media is an engine where we get to judge other people. Uh, we get to judge other people and flame other people and say horrible things to other people, which we would never say to their faces. But because we have a little bit of a mask, it's, it's just an easy place for our own personal rage, which may be justified. And may, You may be completely justified in feeling personal rage, but it's just a great place to discharge it without usually any consequences being felt by you. So it's a great place to do this. And now, yeah, there are bad actors outside this country who have identified that as a weapon that we've created that we then load with our rhetoric. We put the ammo in the weapon and then it can be used against us. And, and, you know, with this new reporting by CNN, if this reporting stands to my way of thinking, that's the most important part of this That. There are people, most of whom don't live here, they don't want us to be able to have a day where people can be out at the Lincoln Memorial not getting along, shouting some stuff that other people don't like, which, you know, really is sort of part of having a society with free expression, you know, as long as it doesn't go too far. Uh, that is part of this society and the society should have enough elasticity to be able to handle something like that. There are people who don't want us to have that elasticity because that elasticity is like health and they don't want us to have health. All right. Let me take a call uh, from Kathy uh, and she's in Bradford. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Colin. Thanks for
1: taking my call. Sure. So um, I was just in all of this, like I, I totally agree that like, that these kids had a right to wear their hats to be where they were to protest if they want to protest whatever they believe is right i think that's the right thing to do but where's the adults in all of this to let it go the way it did if we want them to i think as citizens we should be allowed to voice our opinions but we shouldn't be thinking that high school students have all of the wherewithal to comport themselves in a in a correct manner all the time, especially under the duress they were under. Um, you know, I don't agree with with maybe their points of view, but they should have the right to do it, and I think that that they should have adults there that should be showing them how, how to be.
0: I would agree. Uh, I would agree, and I would also especially agree with the fact that, you know, at their age, these kids don't have fully developed prefrontal cortex. You know, they don't... I mean, they really actually have really much poorer impulse control than they are presumably going to have when their brain reaches its full adult capacity. Uh, So it would be really good if adults were there in loco parentis or maybe actual parents. And and there uh, seem to be probably some adults who didn't exercise very good judgment there. Um, uh, Once again, I, I would like to think our society is strong enough and elastic enough to be able to withstand a situation where some adults uh, let their kids on a field trip uh, do some really stupid and potentially offensive things. I think we can sort of still be okay if that happens. Anyway, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back. All right. We are back. Uh, this is uh, the point where Kion Wolf um, announces who did what. But Kion Wolf is not here right now. So I want to especially thank Gene who who is like, I don't know, he's like he's Yoda. He's Connecticut Public Radio's Yoda and Obi-Wan rolled into one. Anyway, he's on the board today, which is very exciting. Betsy Kaplan is the producer of this particular episode. She's in another room talking to people on the phone and figuring out what it is that they want to say on the air. And that's you can't do a call-in show if you don't have that person. So thanks very much to Betsy Kaplan. Uh, and who should play the, the part of Bill Curry? Uh, she was played by Graham Green, uh, and which uh, oh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, I've actually already forgotten what tomorrow's show is, although I know I cut of—oh, is it the board game show? Yes, so tomorrow we're doing a show. Josh Nalea, who has not been with us uh, so much recently because of a medical procedure that he had. Josh Nalea is a highly creative producer on this show, but uh, we don't get to work with him as much. And he says it's for medical reasons, although we're beginning to suspect that he got addicted to the game Go, the ancient board game Go. Uh, and that that's why he's not around anymore. Anyway, he has produced a show about board games, including Go uh, and all of its addictive and, and multifarious possibilities, uh, but also new board games, board games. You're going to hear about board games that you probably don't own, that you might want to. Uh, we'll talk to somebody who wants to create a museum of board games, too. So anyway, that's all to come. Maybe an easier thing to talk about than the complicated things that we're talking about today. So the number, 860-275-7266, but the board is kind of full. I'm going to go to Marcia in Florida right now. Hi, you're on the air.
5: Hi, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, the, the things that I, I that stuck out of my mind about the events um, this past weekend was one, one, um, I'm agreeing with with your comments and other callers about just the judicity of um, parental involvement in the school maybe properly preparing the students for the environment in which they would be and cautioning them against the whole notion of mob mentality. But the other thing is I work as an advisor at one of the uh, universities here in Florida, and I talk with my students all the time about taking care to, um, about what they post on social media mm-hmm. and how it in, impacts their future. Um, and when I saw the young man in front of the elder uh, Native American gentleman, what I saw was a sneer. And whether, no matter who, what was going on around them, and who, who was saying what, the the MAGA garb and you're looking at this man—that's what you see. Mm-hmm. And my thoughts were: I guarantee you, no matter what the public rep will say, he will have questions to answer uh, when he finishes high school, applies for college, or perhaps is looking for employment down the road.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. This is a point that I'm going to make. Uh, I think this week in a. Uh, in my newspaper column. So I I don't want to say too much about it, Marcia, but uh, I'll just say this in general. One of the things that this has caused me to do is to think about uh, one of the incidents from when I was 18 years old that I am the least proud of. Uh, And if I do this column, I'm going to describe it. And it's going to be painful to describe because I'm really retrospectively very ashamed of it. However, essentially nobody knows about it. I mean, there's like four or five people who remember it tops probably. Um, And I wasn't I was not punished for it. I was not uh, held accountable for it in any particular way. A because I'm was in a very privileged environment and probably had a lot of privilege but also, B, because there was nobody around with a camera, you know? I mean, if my behavior had been videoed the way things are routinely videoed these days and then posted on social media for millions and millions of people to see and comment on, it would have completely changed my life probably for the worse. You know, in other words, I I might have had trouble getting uh, employment. Uh, I might have had trouble all through my life with all kinds of human relations. I, I would like to think that I outlived the negative, negativity of that particular behavior and became a useful member <laughs> of American society. But I'm really not sure whether that would have happened to me uh, had the current m- medium existed, the current media environment existed at that time. And we have to think about that because a lot of people think, good, people do bad things and they'll get punished, and that's good. It's good if people get punished for doing bad things. Hard to argue with that particular rationale. But the other thing is, yeah, but are people punished disproportionately? Is, are we punishing people without fully understanding the moment, the motivations, the kind of things that, things that we would be interested in in a more flesh-and-blood, humane kind of environment? And, and is, it, is it a good idea— To punish somebody at that level so that, yeah, maybe he can't get into certain colleges. Maybe he can't get a certain kind of job. Uh, Maybe it affects his personal life in in other ways. I've actually seen up close what some of this Internet public shaming can do to people, and it's not pretty. Uh, It's worse than probably most of us would imagine and it's it's a very very powerful tool right now that we don't entirely understand how to wield justly and effectively and then as i say there are people who don't want us to understand how to do that all right here's mary beth in west hartford hi mary beth
6: hey Colin. how you
0: doing all right
6: um what i was going to say is that that scene in dc was really something because it incorporated every single hot button issue In our American history, Mm -hmm. it it was almost like it was scripted. Here, the MAGA-wearing, young, privileged, white boys from a Catholic school are at an anti-choice rally, and and anti-abortion, sorry, rally, yet no women are there. And they're um, disrespecting a Native American Vietnam veteran who's having a healing uh, drum session in front of the Lincoln Memorial. And then the black Hebrew Israelites... Um, as they called themselves, were arguing over their Old Testament readings against the white uh, New Testament boy. I mean, it was every single hot-button topic was right. right there. It was almost like it was scripted. So that's that's my comment.
0: It's a great comment. And once again, I would say, you may not agree with me, Mary Beth, but I would say... So fine that 's sort of what the mall in washington it's part of one of That's func- one of the functions of it's that right. public space is that a lot of people get together they don't agree because this is a crazy country full of all kinds of people right. who 've gravitated towards ideological extremes or arrogated certain positions. But if they can get together and maybe yell at each other and be jerks and not hurt each other, right. you know and, and then the so. best thing the best thing that would have could have possibly have happened, which didn't happen was. Making it a teachable moment, getting everybody to sit down and say, hold on, you know, this isn't, you know, what can you find out that you have in common? How could this have been better? I mean, you couldn't have done it at that moment. But if you could have gotten everybody together the next day or the day after and said, look, let's have some coffee and donuts and just figure this whole thing out. That's and, right. you know, and that's not happening because social media, which rules this narrative right now, isn't built to do that. Social, well,
6: it's, it's also um, ignorance. Yeah. You know, the 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 mother of the boy who was sneering, she was saying that there were black Muslims, quote unquote, there, <laughs> All right. you know, maybe not I, I maybe not a strong know.
0: moment for her. No, I, I agree. I agree. But, you know, you sort of wish somebody smart could get involved here and get everybody to sit down. And, you know, I mean, it's not going to be kumbaya. It's not there's not going to they're not going to hug it out but maybe everybody could sort of see a little bit more about what went wrong and what got misunderstood. But we are not in the business of doing that kind of stuff. Obama having beers with uh, Henry Louis Gates and the other guy. That's not for the most part how we roll these days. We use social media as a way of discharging personal rage that probably makes us feel a little bit better too. Maybe we secrete some endorphins while we're just flaming away at people who strike us as deplorable. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to add to the health of the country, or I'm guessing it'll subtract from it. Here's David in Hamden. Hi.
4: Hi, Colin. Uh, first of all, it's nice to see you in the New Haven Register. Enjoy your column. Oh, thank you. Um, I guess I wanted to say that I think the explanation for why quite a few of us are acting very emotionally and negatively about the MAGA hats is that, uh, you know, we feel like in a lot of ways we turned Uh, turned our backs on Donald Trump before the election and tried to, quote, ignore him or maybe even normalize him or not. And um, we now have an unfolding disaster in the White House. Um, I agree. Many of us feel like this isn't normal. Those hats aren't a normal opposition in this country. So
0: that's my take. I I, I agree with you. I agree with all of that. I agree with all of that. I guess, to me, the next step is... Okay, you see somebody wearing that hat and you think, Okay, if I go over and tell you either on social media or, or in your physical presence what an idiot you are and how yeah. much you're hurting the country, yeah. boy, that'll probably change your mind, right? That'll probably yeah. turn you right around. See, that's yeah. the problem. That yep. we know we have a problem, and I agree with you completely, David, about what the problem is and about the catastrophic nature of it. But we, what we don't know is how to solve the problem. I agree. Um, I agree. And right. and so we're we're not trying to solve the problem. It's it's a wound that we're not treating. Instead, we're just in flaming it more all right carrie is probably going to be the last caller of the day carrie from milford hi you've got the floor
7: hi thanks for taking my call i just wanted to make a comment that um you know it's it's really interesting that the gillette shaving commercial came out this week mm-hmm. and i think that um a big issue surrounding this is that at the very least those videos what they show is a mob of teenage boys in bullying mode who were being profoundly disrespectful that is the least amount that you can take away from all those different videos and the parenting uh, seems to be at this point that the parents are rallying around these boys to defend them and to hire pr firms to spin this and defend it instead of looking at it as a teaching moment to say you know what we weren't being the best we could be, and uh, we're going to come out with an apology. Some other things may have happened with people throwing slurs at them or whatever, but let's take responsibility for what we've done, and I think it's sort of um, a you know a culmination of everything we've been talking about about how we raise boys in our society and they're enabling the boys will be boys mentality that we've been trying to overcome in these most recent years I just want and to say I, 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 wanna, that,
0: that yeah, I just want to say one thing before we run out of time I, I agree with you that the ideal response out of Covington uh, and those families and those parents and the kids themselves would have been an apology uh, and, and not hiring a PR firm and all that stuff but I do think when the flames start to spread really really fast like California wildfire, and you've got death threats. You've got internet stalking, where people are using facial recognition software to figure out who each kid in that scene is, uh, identify them, maybe get their personal details doxxed up onto the internet. In that situation, people will circle the wagons. They will hire a public relations firm. They won't apologize anymore because th- they're they're scared that that will put them in the wrong position. That you know, we all play a role in this. And if the first response you know, includes death threats and doxing and personal personal and, you know, facial recognition software. We're going to get people who don't who aren't able to apologize, even if they had that disposition at some point. And I don't know. It could be that, you know, that everybody at that high school and the parents and the kids are just a bunch of turkey heads who just never could have done that at all. I I don't know that uh, one way or the other. But we when you build a bonfire. You know, (laughs) it's it's unlikely after that that the people are gonna be in a enough of a zone of comfort that they'd be willing to own some of what they did wrong. That's not how you get people to do that. You gotta create a safe enough zone where they'd feel comfortable and okay owning that. All right. Thank you, Gene. Thank you, Betsy, thank you, callers, thank you, listeners, thank you, couch, thank you, bed, thank you, moon. Moon. Good night, Moon, good night moon.